posted in the spirit right before. It's so hard to read the Bible that way. Anyway, why don't we all just stand up for a minute? You guys have been sitting for at least like 20 minutes or something, I figure. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Just create a space to receive something from the Lord, whatever that means for you. We are truly his temple built of living stones. Each one here is a living piece of his temple that is carrying his very glory in our midst. Whoa. Just take a deep breath and just allow a real refreshing wind of the Holy Spirit to flow through your spirit. Wow. Let it shake off anything that you weren't that happy about today. I guarantee you that heaven is filled with joy. (laughs) Sometimes people say it's like a third joy. I don't, because you know, heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy, but I don't, I think it's 100% peace. 100% righteousness and 100% joy. You get, whoa, the fullness of all of those. Well, so let his peace, let his righteousness, and let his joy just flow through you. Whoa. And anything that doesn't feel like that, just let it wash away. Just let it wash away. It's just, you don't need to even carry it for another second. you, Lord. And then ask him for more. (laughs) Then ask him for more. Ask him for more. (laughs) Wow. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. Now ask him to send more to the, your friend next to you. Whoa. And ask him to send more to the person on your other side. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> he is He is a deep, deep well that we will never get tired of drinking from for all of eternity. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa. If you're online, you should be doing the same thing. There's no time or distance in the spirit. Yeah, whoa. Thank you, Lord. Just let it flow through. Let it flow through. Just let let the cares of this age wash away. You are a citizen of another kingdom. You are a citizen of another kingdom. And let the cares of this age just let it wash away. Whoa. Whatever we're worried about, I just guarantee you Jesus is not worried. <laughs> I've never had an encounter where I looked in his eyes and I saw any anxiety. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. Just let it go. Let his peace 
rain. Let it flow. He, you know, it says that your body, 1 Corinthians 6, says that your body was bought with a price and you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he paid, well, he paid a, a deep, deep price for you to experience his fullness. So don't, whoa, don't settle for anything less than that, than the price that he paid for the fullness that he paid to give you. Nothing less. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Whoa, amen. Okay. <laughs> um, I see lots of faces that I know underneath masks, and I was really happy when a few of you pulled them down because I was like, is that who I think it is? <laughs> Good to see you, my beautiful friends. Um, there's a lot of people here that I love very, very deeply, and some of you I have yet to meet, but we are one in the spirit. Um, well. I was in Mon I've been in Montana for the last three months, and I've been working on a book on abiding in Jesus. And um, so, when Christian and Sue asked if I could come and share, I was like, "Well, this is all like all I've been doing is marinating in these scriptures for three months, so I don't really have anything else to share. So I hope it'll work, because <laughs> like, I can't like once I get my dial on something, it's really hard to turn it. So." Um, I'm going to take you into, you know, a page. <laughs> I'm going to take you into a page of that. Um, but I thought first I would start with a, a little story, and it's, it's a cool story. It's kind of fun. Um, it was definitely a little bit exciting for me and my family. Dan says hi. Um, several of you guys, who was hiking with Dan last week? Yeah, you guys kicked his butt. That, don't put that on flight. <laughs> Did y'all come home and not walk for like the next day? Okay, because he wasn't, <laughs> he was feeling it, although I'm sure he didn't show it. Um, but he loves it. So he is again up on a mountaintop. He left me a map this morning with some coordinates. <laughs> so he's up there somewhere. Um, but he loves y'all. And um, anyway, so my husband and I, pre COVID, so. I don't know, this is maybe two years ago, a couple of years ago, we were on, we were taking a summer vacation with our kids and we were actually going to do a cruise in Europe, which was super cool. It was my son's kind of like one of his dreams. And um, as I, we were headed off, we were flying to Barcelona to start this cruise, I get a word from the Lord and the Lord tells me to go to a church in Barcelona when I get there, before I get on the boat, and then when I go into that church, he's going to give me a word. So it's a word that I'm going to give you a word. <laughs> Anybody ever had one of those? Like he tells you to meet him somewhere? Okay, I'll impart that to you. It's a really fun treasure hunt. Um, but you got to be brave. Okay, so on our way there, we got stuck. We were supposed to have like two days in Barcelona. It was going to be awesome. Had our plans to get to the church. Has anybody here been to Barcelona? Anyone? 
Have you been to, um, what is it, Sagrada La Familia? Yeah? Anyone else? Yes. Okay. Yay. You can be my witnesses. Um, so on the way there, we got hung up in Frankfurt for 24 hours. And it really, or maybe more than that, it really messed up our whole like pre-trip trip and my ability to get to this church. So we get to Barcelona. We arrive. We kind of hit the city around noon. Our cruise tickets tell us that we're supposed to report to get on the boat at 1 o'clock. And my husband I, I'm, and I, I'm like, Dan, I just, I really want to go to that church and get this word. And so we, we search and search to try to figure out if there's a different time. Like, well, when does the boat actually leave? And we look, at, we look up every single thing we can find, and we can't find any end time on the boat. So we pray about it. <laughs> And I feel like the Lord says, you know, you got until like 6, 630. <laughs> and we're like, okay. So, but the problem is, if anybody's been there, we don't have tickets to the church because we lost ours because we didn't make the original timing. So those of you who have been there, you know that you can't get tickets to get into this church to walk through it unless you book it in advance. Because there are literally thousands, tens upon thousands of people in the street, all around it, and it's mayhem. So we just, we stow our luggage at a hotel. We go, we go down to the church. My husband is, like, asking the ticket office. He's trying so hard for me. He's asking, my, my kids are like, let's go shopping. Um, <laughs> but they, and he tries the ticket office, and they say, you know, there's no more tickets for today. So then he goes to the, um, I don't know, some customer service, and he's he's in some customer service thing trying to figure out, like, just trying to get tickets. And, of course, they're telling him no. And I'm standing out on the street with thousands of people walking by me. And I'm looking. I look up and down the street, and I look to my left, and I see a lady about 100 feet away, and she's got a black umbrella. And the Lord says, go ask her for tickets. And so I weed through the crowd, and I get to the lady, and I said, do you have tickets to get into church? And um, she goes, I don't, but my tour office might. She hands me an address. So she said, they're a couple blocks away. Go there and see if they've got, if they got anything available. And, and so I take, so Dan and I find each other. I give him the address. We go. The tour office, that area is so full of people that we don't, my kids and I don't even try to go in with him because it's so packed with people. So he gets in, <laughs> makes his way to the front. Just as he gets to the front desk, he says, do you have four tickets to get into the Basilica today. And they're like, yeah, actually we do. Somebody just canceled and there's four tickets. And it's at 4.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> and we're like doing the math. Like, I don't know. Like we're already like wondering if the boat has left or not. <laughs> so, but you know, we just, we go have some awesome paella, wait until 4.30, enjoy Barcelona, <laughs> walk around a park. <laughs> and then we go in we go into the we go in at 4:30 and we get inside the church and I walk inside and um because it was late enough in the day the sun was coming in through the side windows of the church and um you guys could you could even like if you want to see where I went just pick up your phone and put church barcelona or something you'll you'll find it but the, this church is, um, it has, um, 
lots of stained glass windows, but it's not like the ones in Italy where, you know, there's like all pictures and very classical. It's it's very contemporary, and the in and it's and the stained glass windows are just in these color patterns. Okay, and it has every color: green and yellow and orange and red and blue. And but the way the stained glass is done, that when the sh when the sun comes through, it it creates this cascading color patterns across the, the walls and the sides of the church. And the walls and the sides of the church all look like a garden, kind of on the inside, the way it's been sculpted. And I'm standing there, and I'm looking at the most beautiful light. Like from one window, it would cast maybe 40 or 50 feet worth of colored light across the church. So the, ins the whole inside of the church looks like it's been painted with light. Okay, like like you've taken the, the color spectrum and broke it into pieces and just painted it with light across this church. And I'm standing there, and I'm looking up at it, and Jesus says, this is what my bride looks like on the inside. I've, I've painted her with my light. And then he recalls to me a memory of something that happened um, maybe 20, maybe about 20 years ago. And my husband and I were in, has anybody been to Florence, Italy? One? Yeah, a few. Okay, so the Duomo in Florence, Italy, huge church again, but very classical. We were in the Duomo, and... Um, I'm one of these people that always likes to hike to the tallest part of anywhere. So if, so if you can go to the top of a church and look out over the city, we do. Or you can go to the top of a tower. And in fact, in the Duomo, we went to the top of the, the, the um, dome. And then we came out, and then we went next door and, and hiked all the way up to the top of the tower. Because <laughs> I didn't want to miss either view. <laughs> so I talked to my husband into hike, like doing this, you know, I don't know, 800 step or something. It was quite a hike into the top of that dome on top of that church. And the, what, what they would do is they basically, you kind of go up through the walls of the church. And then there was this point where they put you out on this catwalk on the inside of the dome that was right over the main part of the church. And the inside of that dome is all painted. But what it's painted with um, is kind of terrifying because I don't know. You know, it's, if you've looked at, like, classical church art, but they really tried to make an impression of what hell looked like um, based on, like, this is what heaven looks like, and this is what hell looks like, okay? And I, because, you know, we have children present, <laughs> I'll just say I've never seen anything more graphic <laughs> and startling as what I was suddenly face-to-face -face with on the inside of this dome, and it was just... Like, all surrounding me. And so where the catwalk came out was right in the middle of hell. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and so, and but then we got stuck on the catwalk for, like, 45 minutes. And I had to stand there and look at these depictions of hell. I got really nauseous. I was almost throwing up. It was awful. And then eventually we got off, and we got up and saw the city. So I'm standing now. I'm in Barcelona. And I'm looking at this, all this light cast across the inside of this temple. And um, the Lord reminds me of being on that catwalk surrounded by depictions of hell. And he said to me, 
and he said, religion wants to paint your soul with your condemnation. The, the devil wants to paint your soul with your condemnation. And he, he wants to put in vivid picture everything you've ever done wrong and the consequences that that's, that he, that's supposed to bring. And he said, my bride thinks that, this, that that's what she looks like on the inside. Like, she looks like the summation of all of her sin. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm looking at this, at all this light casting across this garden. And he said, she doesn't look like that. She looks like this temple filled with light, a garden that's filled with the light of my glory. And he said, I, I died and with my very blood, I cleaned the walls of your soul. I purged it all from you and then I filled you with my light. Well, And I'm going to go a little bit further, but just for a minute. You know, if, if you have ever, if you experience the haunting of your past or even the haunting of your present where maybe you did something that doesn't align with Jesus. Well, right now, I want you to let his blood erase it all from the walls of your soul. And let it be, you're not just meant to be a whitewashed sepulcher on the outside. You have been a whitewashed sepulcher on the inside. On the inside. And some of us even though we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, we've been convinced that we can't get free of sin. Okay, And, and this, this is where it starts. This is where it starts. It doesn't start with your actions. If you're, if you're trying to get free of sin through your actions, you're never going to make it, my friend. Your actions will never cut it. It starts with faith in him starts with faith in Jesus and what he has accomplished for you and that it is finished and that it is done and that he he atoned for every sin in your past he atoned for every sin in your present and he has already atoned for every sin in your future and he did it in one in in one striking day at Calvary he doesn't have to go back there because you have a bad day tomorrow. Okay. I'm not going to speak to this, but, you know, Romans 6, 7, and 8 is, especially Romans 7, is really one of the areas where you see the struggle of man with sin, right? And what most people don't know is that 
And please get yourself a Greek lexicon and test me on this. Um, but I think, what is it? It's somewhere like 30, 35 times sin is mentioned between Romans 6, 7, and 8. Okay? Only one of those times is it a verb. Only once. And that's it. This is that's the it's it's the question you know, should you know should you take grace for granted and sin will abound something like that. It's like it's in this one spot. It's a verb. All of the other, all of the other discussion of sin, in Romans six, seven, and eight, where it says you're you're wrestling with sin and you know you all of this. It's a noun. Sin is a noun. Sin is an entity. It's a kingdom. It's a domain. And Jesus died to remove you from that kingdom and to put you in another one. You get it? He died to, to change your citizenship. So you are no longer a citizen of that kingdom where sin is the ruler. Okay? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, he made you a citizen of heaven, of his kingdom of heaven. And, and that domain has no power in his kingdom. It has no power in his kingdom. He completely destroyed it, took the keys, pillaged the whole place in the grave. And he resurrected you with himself. When he was resurrected, he resurrected you too. And he removed you completely and fully forever from that kingdom. And it has no power over you. If you remember where you are a citizen of. Okay. Yeah. I want to. I want to talk about John 2. Um, John 2, we have the wedding of Cana, right? So you see the first miracle of Jesus. He turns water into wine. And it's this is the bridegroom providing the wine at the wedding. You can find that in the passage if you read it. Then... Immediately following that, we have Passover. And so during the time of Passover, this is hard because I like to, like, string the entire Bible together, and I can't do that in this period of time. But <laughs> if you recall the Passover story, there was the blood of a lamb was was smeared across the, over your, the um, doorway, Right? of your house. Keep that in your head. So that the death angel would pass over you. Okay. All right. So that's the timing of this. So Jesus comes into the temple, and um, I think I'll read it, at least this one. So I'm going to read from 13 to 22. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So this is the first time he comes into the temple in the midst of his ministry, okay? 
where he's coming in in power. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers, and he overturned their tables, and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Maybe we'll come back to that. Um, his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? What's the sign? What's the sign that you can show us that says you have the authority to cleanse the temple? Okay. And he says, this is how he answered them. Destroy this temple, and some some translations are going to say destroy this temple, or some translations will say you destroy this temple. Okay, hold on to that because we're going to see something later at the cross. You you destroy this temple. What what destroys the temple? Sin. Sin destroys the temple. Guess what? We all destroyed our temple. You destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up, he says. And the Jews says, it's taken 46 years to build it. How are you going to raise it in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. He was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that he had spoken. So the sign that he gave, that he had the authority to do this was his very resurrection. You guys follow me? You hear all that? Okay. And what's all this about? It's about a house. Some of you will get it. It's about a house. Let's, I'm going to go to Mark 14. Maybe I'll just paraphrase some of it. Now, a lot of people, what you don't realize, do you guys know why Jesus got crucified? The actual reason at the trial? Anybody give me? There were two. If you want to look this up, you're going to read Mark 14 and Mark 15. Okay? Um, when he comes before the council, so this is like Mark 14, 53 through 65. And they and they're they're saying we want you know we want him to be crucified, and they say, under under what, you know what laws has he broken, and they they say two things against him, one was that he said, we heard him say I will destroy this temple and raise it up in three days, but they changed the wording. Not you destroy it, I will destroy it, okay. And then the second one, he said he's the son of God. That's the, that's the two reasons that they give for putting him on the cross. Because he put at risk our temple. And in, in their, in Jewish tradition, was there anything more sacred than their temple? Nothing. And he said he's going to just that it will. He's they said he said he will destroy it. He didn't say that. He said you destroy it and I'll raise it. And the truth is they had already destroyed it with their religion, which is why he took a whip through. 
Okay, they had already destroyed it with their religion. Okay, then you you cut forward. He ends. He's on the cross, and what do they? What do the passersby taunt at him on the cross? You said. You said you could that you could raise this temple up. You said you could raise that you would destroy the temple and raise it in three days, and that you can't even bring yourself off a cross. Okay. And I make that point to say that I'm going to get a little bit further. Let me go a little further. What's the last thing that Jesus says before he dies? It is finished, right? John 19. It is finished. And some of you are going to know this. We also know what happened at the moment of his death. He said, it is finished. He gave up his spirit, and something happened in that moment. What happened? There was an earthquake and the veil the veil in that temple tore from top to bottom. And what was that, what was that veil um, the door to? The Holy of Holies, right? So he tore and he gave access forever to the Holy of Holies. Okay, so I'm going to back up a minute. What, was, what did Jesus do? The first miracle he did, it was at a wedding. And he did the role of a bridegroom at the wedding, which is to bring the wine. Anyway, it's in there. It's in the scripture if you read it. Okay. And then he cleaned the temple. Then you get to the very end of his life. He dies for having said those words. I'm going to raise this temple. It's part of... So it's at the center of the crucifixion was the fact that he wanted to restore a temple. Okay. He says it is finished. It is finished in Aramaic. He would have spoken Aramaic because he was a Jewish man. He wouldn't have spoken Greek on the cross. You know, anybody is like, you know, in your dying breath, you're not going to speak your third, second or third language. Just saying, okay? You'll speak your first language. So his, in Aramaic, it is finished. It's not a sentence. It's a word. It's one word, and the word is kala, K-A-L-A-H. And kala means it is finished. It can also mean it is consummated. And it can also mean bride. It's the word bride. It's the name of a bride. Okay, so as he gives up his spirit, he says, it's finished, it's consummated, my bride and the veil tore. Okay. Now, here's, here's what I'm getting at. How do you suppose that Jesus can abide in you and you can abide in him? If, if, your, if your soul was, was truly painted with the condemnation of your sin, can he live there? 
Can he live with sin? By his very nature, can he abide someplace that's filled with sin? I'm not sure if I've, if you're convinced of this or not. I'm just asking. <laughs> yeah? No? In order, in order to abide someplace, he had to make it holy. Right? And what was the purpose of making it holy? Was it just so that you could have your sins wiped out and then, I don't know, go on to a rich life? Yeah, but it's more than that. The purpose of him making you holy was because he was looking for a habitation. And in the Old Covenant, where did he inhabit? Where did God inhabit in the Old Covenant? He inhabited his temple. He let, he let the presence of his glory rest upon the Ark of the Covenant, upon the mercy seat where the blood of a, of a, of a lamb, blood of a goat, had been sprinkled to make it holy so his presence could rest there. Okay. And then if you read Hebrews 8 and 9, you want to spend some time someplace, now go read Hebrews 8 and 9 later. Hebrews 8 and 9 talks about how he was the perfect sacrifice that fulfilled the entire old covenant. Why? Because there is a more perfect heavenly tent. Someone's going to get it. There is a more perfect heavenly tent on which the blood of his sacrifice has been sprinkled. There's a more perfect heavenly tabernacle where the blood of his sacrifice has been sprinkled once and for all, where do you suppose that perfect heavenly tabernacle is? If you think it's a room somewhere out there in outer space, you've lost the whole point. You're the house. You're the temple. You're the tent. You're the tabernacle. You are the perfect heavenly place that the Old Testament tabernacle was modeled after so we can understand these things. Whoa. And at the center of Calvary, One of the one of the greatest misses, I'll say, for those of us who preach the gospel, is we spend a lot of time sharing that Jesus came here to atone. He he came and died to atone for your sins, and we kind of make that the end game. But that wasn't his end game. He atoned for your sins so that he could create for himself the perfect habitation. The, the, the perfect place to inhabit. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is how Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Okay? So at the center of the cross, you have two things happening. You have he atones for your sin, but that's not just, that's not the point. 
He atones for your sin so he can make you holy so he can now dwell in you. He atones for your sin. I, I'm okay with it. I love it. <laughs> I, we've, we've actually done this dance since the very beginning. <laughs> and every time, right? And every time I tell you guys, I love it. It's what makes this church perfect is the fact that kids can just be their age. Okay. Um, yeah. So we can preach the gospel and we can get to this thing where we just make it about the atonement of sins. But the gospel is, way, is about way more than the fact that he died to cleanse you of your sins and to make you holy. Okay. His purpose in that was because he wanted to abide with you. He wanted to live with you. He tore, he tore the Holy of Holies, and he, he tore the veil between the outer courts, the inner courts, the holy place, and the Holy of Holies, so that you could forever have complete access to that space with him. But, not, but beyond that, if you read Ephesians 2.22 in the Passion Translation, he, create, he made you into the Holy of Holies. He made you into the Holy of Holies. You are the walking Holy of Holies on this earth where his glory dwells. And you are filled, you are filled with his light. Wow. And why does it need to be, I mean, a lot of times when you read all these passages, it's, plays with the words between tabernacle and tent. Temple, tabernacle, and tent. Why is it, why is it a tent? Why was the original version this moving thing? Why? Because you're meant to move. Your little walking holy of holies, tent of meeting with the living God is meant to go places. Okay? You gotta, you gotta walk into places that are not citizens of heaven. The go into the very dark you know you 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 don't ever ever have to fear dark if you are walking light of glory because what happens when you turn when lights turn on where does dark go does dark stay and fight light <laughs> ever like we we get this lesson every day as the sun comes up right as the sun rises what happens to the dark it flees. Does it ever like stay and make a stand? <laughs> okay. He shows you this every single morning. If you are filled with the light of his glory, what happens wherever you walk, no matter how dark it is? It becomes light. Because darkness can't fight your light. You understand that, like, there's like there's there's all sorts of intercession strategies that are about fighting darkness. There's no point. Okay, just walk in. <laughs> just walk in with your light. <laughs> Start releasing Jesus. That's all you got to do. Okay, walk in with your light. Wow, I'm winding down, so you're gonna have to figure out how to minister out of this. <laughs> Giving you the heads up. <laughs> Whoa. Serious, if 
If you have felt like a Roman 7 man where you are like in some kind of wrestling match with sin, I'm just going to speak over you today that it ends. Because that victory was was already won on your behalf. And there are a lot of times where we, we put these things in our future. We put this victory in our future. Like someday when I get control of this thing. The most important thing that you can do is in your faith, move that victory from your future to the point of your salvation. Move it into your past with your faith. Things of heaven are always and only accessed through faith. You can only access the things of heaven by believing. That's why you're called believers. We're not called experiencers. We're called believers. Okay? And and if you want to experience something of heaven, you actually have to believe it first. It's the opposite here. Here we like to experience and then we'll believe. God does not work that way. Okay? He, he tells you something. He says, will you believe me? Will you believe me? And by the way, did we make it on the boat? <laughs> Maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll wrap back around with that. Well, did we make it on the boat? Yeah, we made it on the boat. It was tight because <laughs> I had a hard time leaving the church as I was sitting there looking at all the light cast on the walls, and he talked to me about a Garden of Eden restored in 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 the inside of every every single one of his living stones. And he said, this is how I see my bride. She is this glorious and she is this filled with light. So we left the, we left the um, church. We got a taxi, really stressed out a taxi driver when we told him where we were going. <laughs> he didn't really, he wasn't really sure if it was going to work, but he took us out there anyway. We get out to the boat. The boat's still there, but unfortunately, like, the um, the building where they intake all the passengers is closed and locked. <laughs> and um, so then we were like, well, then my husband's like, well, just drive around. And we drove around until we found a little loading dock. And then we grabbed our luggage and we just walked up the loading dock with the last supplies. <laughs> and we're like, can we get on the boat? <laughs> and they let us on. And we went on our trip. I say that to say that sometimes, you know, a journey with God, you know, he can make you sweat it a little bit. <laughs> and the best stories you'll have with him are going to take some stories of faith where you're going to have to step out beyond what's practical in the natural and probably even a little bit beyond the rules of the natural. And if you hear from him that you should do that, I believe he will be victorious on your behalf. In the end, if I would have missed the boat, I would still probably prefer to have gone to the church. <laughs> and we would have figured out how to get on at another port. Like it, that, that encounter for me became so significant. Yeah. Okay, let's stand up. What's my point today? You are the walking, living light of Jesus.
Christ in you is the hope of glory for your neighborhood, for your city, for our state, for our nation. Whoa. Whoa. He sees you perfect and holy. I really feel like there's a grace today where if you haven't experienced that, that real feeling of holiness on the inside, I feel like there's a grace today for that to occur and for a shift from you're not going to live in that old man anymore. You will live as his bride, walking with him on this earth. And here's the thing. Once he has inhabited you, which happened at the moment of your salvation, it ha- it's already happened. He's already abiding with you, whether or not you know it. Okay? He, he's, <laughs> you, you, he doesn't uninhabit. <laughs> As my spiritual father likes to say, it's like a tea bag in hot water. Drop it in. Drop Jesus in, and he has forever changed your chemistry inside. And he's there with you, whether or not you know it. Okay? So I'm going to ask even Jesus to make you more aware of how integral he is within you every moment of every day. You would be more aware of his voice, more aware of his presence, more aware of his thoughts within your thoughts, more aware of his feelings within your feelings. Whoa. He is coursing through you. And you're not going to be able to escape him. Have the worst day you're ever going to have. And he planned for it. And he died for it. Already. You can't scare him away. Okay. So, like, the best thing is just surrender. <laughs> just surrender and let, just, just let him flow. Let his glory flow. And enjoy the journey. Wow, Lord, I just, I ask for a grace right now to see all of those walls painted completely white and clean inside. To see our outside adorned with your white robes. And Lord, even if we find it hard to imagine that in this moment we could believe that you have made us holy. Oh, And, Lord, I ask for an arising of awareness in each one here to the fullness of your presence inside. Holy Spirit, that they would feel the fullness, not just Holy Spirit on the outside, but Holy Spirit on the inside. Not the Christ that's with you, but the Christ that's in you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.